Hello and welcome to Tech Crack, the podcast series brought to you by Sync NI. We are Northern Ireland's leading technology and business media company, and this podcast series will see us interview some of the best, brightest, and most influential thought leaders from across NI's business and tech sectors. Find out more on SyncNI.com or follow us across our social media channels. And enjoy. This week I spoke with EY Ireland's Chief Economist, Neil Gibson, on the unfolding economic impact coronavirus is having across the UK and Ireland, both short-term and long-term. How is EY across Ireland and the UK coping? Then just first off with the whole pandemic, is taking everyone's working from home. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and thank you for asking. It's, a, it's an important point to remember that every business has been disrupted in one way or another. Um, and certainly for us, it's been a real test of our technology platforms to make sure that we can communicate. And I think probably for many of our team, we were already well prepared for working from home. Some already did it occasionally. But I think the challenge as, the, as this crisis unfolds is ensuring that we remain in contact with people. Uh, also, that we're sensitive to issues as a global employer that when we say people are working from home, home may feel like um, the other side of the world to many of our workers. They may be um, from many of them, you know, hail from all parts of the world. So their home is maybe Russia, Pakistan, Portugal, but their home while they're working for us is maybe a small um uh, you know, a room or 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 a bed, one bedroom flat in Dublin or wherever it might be, and so we have to be sensitive that for some of us there's gardens to walk in and ways to break up the day that aren't available to all. And I think that mental side of it, keeping in touch, keeping people motivated, helping them when they're feeling a bit down, that's probably the bigger challenge than the technology or actually being able to work, which for an office-based business like us was a little bit easier. Obviously, some of our client people staff who would have been out with clients mm-hmm. that's maybe changed a bit more for them but certainly technologically um, I think we were further ahead than perhaps mentally or emotionally we were for such a long period of, of potential um, isolation as it looks like we're in for now. And as in from an economical point of view, economic point of view pardon me, could you ever have prepared yourself you know personally or EY as a business for something of this scale? No, I mean, when we think of sort of crisis readiness and and, and risk registers, you have things like, you know, natural disasters, um, pandemics, you know, you think through uh, what what might, but, but really this has taken everyone by surprise and just the scale and severity, and in some ways almost impossible to fully plan for, either as an economy as a whole, you know, if we had the number of hospital beds or intensive care units that we seem to think we're going to need, then they would be very quiet at any other time. So it's almost impossible to be fully geared for something of this scale. And that's um, meeting economists, myself and the rest of my profession, really scrambling to try and get our heads around just how significant the damage might be. And that all depends on how long it lasts and what governments and businesses do to respond to it. And obviously, Neil, EY is one of the big four worldwide for professional services. How have the services that the company is providing you, tax, audit, business advisory, clients must be surely panicking because businesses are, are bankrupt, you know, workers are being um, temporarily or permanently laid off. Has there been a real shift in, in the type of work that EY is actually doing and how the staff is coping with clients? 
Uh, that's beginning to change, certainly, but but many of the things that we have to do remain the same. So that could be preparing audit documents or it could be preparing tax. You know, there's large chunks of work for us and, and the rest of the big four that are a long, they take a long time to do. So you can certainly have three, four, five, six weeks worth of work to get through in terms of reviewing documents or preparing statements. So in some sense, there is a, a, a backlog of work that can, can, can be continued. Then there's the work that you never get to that you wish you did. So there's designing new systems. There's a bit of R&D. There's developing new products. There's um, uh, accelerating or tidying the way that we would do things, uh, which again, this is presenting a bit of an opportunity. And on, on certainly on things like, for example, our sides of our business that advise on acquisitions or purchases, there's certainly uh, a pause there and a change. But just as that's happening, we're having a huge acceleration in, in calls and, and inquiries around things like, well, how do I manage my cash flow? How should I deal with my suppliers? What should I do in terms of my legal um, uh, obligations towards staff? How should I flex different offices? Even things as early as this into the crisis of clients beginning to chat about, well, when we eventually get out the other side of this, how do we ensure we're ready to pick back up again? How will we go back to working in an office? We mightn't be able to put everybody straight back in in one go, you know, for risk of reinfection. So even beginning to think that's just how businesses work beyond this. So yes, a, a little change in what we do, but like all of the, the big four, one of the, the, the joys of being such a big global organization is you have different competencies to pull on and you can move people about to help in different areas. And certainly things like, the experience of our Italian colleagues or our Chinese colleagues speaking to those partners and members of the team there can be very helpful for us to prepare for what might be ahead and also to give our clients a bit of um, uh, comfort or inspiration even at this difficult time to say that, th that there are ways to try to keep doing things and to, if you like, make some uh, um, um, value in, in, in what is a very difficult situation in terms of maybe doing that R&D or thinking. I think the most important thing to say is the most difficult phone calls are those when you're talking to people who simply can't pay their staff or who have no customers. They're fully shut down at the moment, not knowing how long that might last. You know, we're very proud to, to run our Entrepreneur of the Year program and speaking to so many of those over the last few weeks, thinking about how they've set up a business. It's been going terrific. They're inspiring people. No, um, preparation for something like this maybe they're completely shut down as a business and so you find yourself providing emotional support and a little bit of a you know almost a, a sounding board as much as you are providing a service or a piece of advice at this point in time because for many you know they're facing a very uncertain future so you have to be very empathetic and sympathetic to the fact that these people are maybe talking to you, having had to lay staff off that have worked for them for years or have seen their fledgling business stopped in its tracks. So I think I would certainly, and I'm sure I speak for many in the other big four and many of my senior colleagues, that emotional pressure is probably as big as, if not bigger, than the pressure you feel to provide services. You really feel just how difficult it is for many of these clients that you've known for years or decades in some cases. Yeah, and that's one thing you noted before, Neil, you, know, you said the emotional strain for many business owners in deciding if they can take on debt with such an uncertain road ahead um, means that where possible, you know, governments should take the debt. And the UK government's plans, you know, the announcement that they'll pay 80% of, of workers' salaries, it, it's been criticised in some places because um, 
the actual HMRC portal to enter the information in for the employees doesn't even seem to be open yet. Um, a lot of employees, I don't think the salaries will actually be paid until the end of April. Uh, people don't know if it'll apply to the self-employed and sole trainers, sole traders, pardon me, and people on zero-hour contracts. Um, and then I know in the Republic of Ireland as well, there's talk of sort of almost copying the UK government's plans and, and paying 75% of worker salaries. What do you think of that plan in terms of the pros and cons? And, you know, from your professional opinion, do you think there's anything more or less that they can do? Well, I think we should start at the beginning that it, as, as stressful as it is for all of us, we have to remember too, our politicians, our policymakers, our, you know, tax planners at, at the government level have no more experience of this crisis than us. So it's as hard for them to think of the solutions. Uh, as you mentioned, I would be, uh, not all economists agree with this, but I'd be very strongly of the view that in a societal crisis of this nature, it's better that society as a whole, or the government in this case, takes the debt where possible to say to businesses, we want you to take a loan even at favorable rates. And we want you to take that out, not knowing when you can open again. It's a bit like the analogy I keep using. This this crisis is like a chasm that we have to bridge over. Now, we can see the other side, but we don't know how far away it is. And I think it's much better for us where we can to have the government shoulder shouldering the weight of this traversing this, this particular chasm, rather than saying to businesses who may be already feeling very stressed, uh, emotional and worried, that you're going to borrow. We're going to try and encourage the banks to lend it to you but we can't give you any guarantee of when you can go back to, to opening your doors. So generally speaking, I think the move to payroll support as the measures are both North and South um, are, are desirable. Um, the question is how long you can do it for. The answer is not that long, to be honest. We'll certainly have to look at this again. Uh, you'll be able to do it for a quarter, maybe two at the, at the utmost, but I think we'll have to look at something rather different if, if, if we were in a very difficult position like we are today, say, towards the end of the summer. But in terms of how the government's implemented it, yes, their systems are struggling. Uh, again, they had no idea that this might come. That's incredibly difficult for those that that's hampering and, and, and harming. But the government are certainly doing their best to make the guarantee clear that they will be in a position and you will be able to backdate that to get the funding that you should have had for your staff. And they're really saying to businesses, can you try and meet us at least part of the way and keep the staff at least on, on your payroll? And I think there's two things I would say to that. One is that's much, much better than providing people with support, uh, say unemployment or, or universal credit or job seekers or whatever it might be. Um, it's much better if they're on your workforce because if we imagine you know, the day after this, or, and I know it'll not end as suddenly, but when we see light at the end of the tunnel, if a business doesn't have any workers, it's not going to go out and hire them all back and say, right, we're ready for work on the Monday. They're going to be worried about how much business there'll be, how many customers they'll have, how many bookings they will take. And so they'll probably bring people back very slowly. But if they have everyone on their payroll, they're much more likely to start at a sprint, get everybody in, get them energized and get them out trying to sell and trying to do uh, get win new business. So I'm much, much more of a fan and very supportive of both governments for going down this payroll route. Mm -hmm. The self-employed is very tricky because the systems work very differently. And I know both governments are currently wrestling with how to support it. And I know for those people who have said, I can't get the system to work. How does it help the self-employed? 
or the number that it's capped at is not enough for my some of my employees. I understand all of that, but we've a very finite part pot of money, and to be able to offer that support to particularly those businesses that are closed today is certainly the thing that I would have done rather than, for example, in the U.S. and elsewhere, they're looking at what they would say is helicopter money, sending everybody in the, every household a check to spend. Well, I, I, that just wouldn't be what I would do as an economist because so many of the choices of where you could spend are closed. So I'm not sure that would money would make its way back in in the same way. So big fan of payroll support. It still asks employers to take a cut of that pay. They're still paying 20 or 25% in the Republic of that salary. And at that time, even for, for some, that may seem like a small percent but it's still a big number over a lot of staff. So unfortunately, it won't be enough to keep all businesses open across the island. And do you think, obviously as an economist, foresight, you know, planning ahead is one of the main parts of your job. When we do come out the end of this, there's a lot of people working, especially in the retail and hospitality sectors, because some companies, like for example, Weatherspoons, have just you know, laid off their staff. They won't even give them a payout until they possibly receive um, the 80% government plan at which is expected to be at the end of april um a lot of people are are predicting that once this ends and everyone gets back to work there could be a massive shift in people are sort of realizing you know companies putting people poor profits and and they'll shift industries um and also even just working from home some companies are worried that the productivity levels will fall but then others are saying well if we start to realize that Productivity, productivity levels are staying the same or maybe even getting better, that's reducing their overheads and you know, paying for electric and heat to have their employees in. Maybe there'll be a shift that way as well and that companies will take to allowing their employees to work from home more. So what's your uh, prediction yeah, in that? Yes, I mean, I, I think this will have profound changes on, on society and our behaviours. Um, the longer it goes, the more profound they will be. But certainly, I think we're going to see a huge um, uh, uh, change in behaviours. Let's take it from everything from uh, on the positive side, as you mentioned, the embracing of technology, the acceleration of the working from home agenda. Look how quiet our streets are. Look how many firms are now thinking, well, if I staggered the starting time, will we start to think creatively about when schools start and open and close to try and manage so that we don't have staff stuck in traffic, for want of a better word, um, during the day? This certainly is going to open a lot of people's eyes to the potential of technology in a way that we never imagined before. Um, that's also going to change their behavior in, for example, people getting used to online ordering and shopping now. That was already a trend, but that's certainly been accelerated now that may reduce people's willingness or, or desire to go back onto the high street and shop. And so there's some real challenges there for shops reopening about how to get people back in. I'm almost certain we'll have some form of national campaign, both north and south, to try and encourage people to get back out, uh, put a bit of money back into the local economy when it's safe to do so. So go to a local restaurant, go out for a pint. I mean, I, I don't need a huge persuading to do that, but we, I, I think we can imagine a significant boost to say, look, companies, can you take your staff for an away day to a hotel? Do anything to get a bit of money back in. But not everything will go back to normal. I think we'll change our views of healthcare workers and their importance. I think firms will look differently on things like their cleaning staff mm -hmm. in terms of how important they are to keeping your business um, um, clean and healthy and your workers safe. I think we will shop differently, potentially. It may change our choice of holiday destinations and how willing we are to, to fly. It'll certainly change the price of insuring 
um, to, to go on holiday for sure. So I think there will be profound changes. We can take the positives, accelerating technological change, um, uh, allowing us a more flexible style of working, placing different value on very important jobs in society. But we have to balance that with there is a danger of, of isolation uh, and loneliness and making sure we get people back and connected again and talking again. And there's also that particular danger that I'd be worried about, about the vibrancy of our high streets. We're going to have to think very carefully about what way, you know, in Northern Ireland, for example, we've given rates holidays for three months. Well, just how much are firms on the high street going to be able to go back to business as usual? I think that's a real challenge. Uh, so yes, it, it Certainly a big part of my job is trying to think of how this will completely change ways of working for many firms, how they, they think about what space they need, what investments they make in technology. A huge part of our business has been in many of our clients finding they didn't have the tech or the licenses for some of their secure working to be done remotely. So you're going to see quite an acceleration in some of that. Not all of that will be... Um, um, uh, uh, you know, a positive. There will be some disconnection issues and concerns of people being a bit distant, but it definitely will change the shape. The island economy will be forever changed by this crisis. Just whenever you mentioned Belfast as well, a lot of companies were struggling previously with footfall just because of the pre-mark fire um, in 2018 as well. So this has definitely hindered and not helped uh, their circumstances. Some companies have already actually had to close down because of that. Um, in terms of some people do think that the recession, the, potentially the global recession at the end of this will be temporary, but will end up coming out the other side stronger. Um, they think it'll accelerate the sort of fourth revolution, this need for technology and, and technology advancements because people in the tech sector are working harder than ever now to, to help find solutions and help find ways to, to help society in general cope with the crisis. Um, do you predict you know, a time frame in which the whole island of Ireland might actually end up benefiting from this overall, or do you think it will take like a substantially long time to get there? Uh, I think I would say it'll come out changed rather than, you know, being able to say stronger and necessarily, it'll certainly be stronger for some. It will accelerate that sort of tech revolution of how we can do business and where we can work. I mean, for myself, I have noticed, and I'm sure many have had the same experience. Many meetings have gone from the diary. Meetings have got shorter because you're only doing 10 or 15 minutes catch up. Now that has a plus side in terms of productivity. You maybe think, well, I don't need to put all those meetings back in when I'm back in the office. But it has a downside too. It's a very intense day. You have to find different ways to discipline yourself to take a break. And that requires a level of personal discipline, training and skill that perhaps not everyone is as well um, um, suited to. So I think that the office environment still has a very important role to play. But I do think we'll see a technological acceleration. And I think my main concern for the society and the economy is that high street question. Our high streets were already changing. We were seeing a, a proliferation of coffee shops and gyms. Uh, well-being clinics and 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 the like, you know, personal services. Now they will uh, require people to be on those high streets, to be at their office of work, or to be in the vicinity. So there's even a challenge to those new high street offers. But the traditional bricks and mortar shop has got to have an online presence and way of doing things. And I think fundamentally, the way that we tax and raise revenue 
as a society, we'll probably have to change simply because our behaviours on the high street are changing. I think where we get our tax from will no longer, the, 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 the weight of that lifting, certainly in Northern Ireland, will not be able to be carried by high street retail in the way it has been for the last generation. Perfect. Neil, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add personally? No, I, I think the only thing I'd want to say, and I, I, know, I know many have made this remark, but it, it, in very difficult times, you do see the best in many people. It's tr tremendously inspiring to me to see how many of our firms or clients are responding by thinking about what they can do differently. How can they help their staff? How can they help their workers? How can they maybe produce something that the island needs at the moment? I think we're seeing huge respect for our workers in care industries and in the hospital front line, but not just the front line, the, 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 the paramedics, the delivery drivers, the post, the people who are stocking the shelves in our supermarkets. And I think it's just important that at a tough time like this, I mean, it's been disruptive for, for me and for many colleagues, but in many ways, I spent a large part of the day just pausing to think about those who have had it so much um, tougher than, than, than me personally, and really just to, you know, really give a sort of a word of praise to the innovators and creators who are trying to find solutions to this, and also to those frontline staff who are keeping our, our, our people and our, and our loved ones safe. So I think it, you know, any conversation about the economic impact has to be underscored by just what a human crisis this is and how inspiring some of pe some people's reaction to it has been. 100%. It's definitely one of those situations where it shows how society can come together as a whole. And um, it's awful, but slightly comforting that everyone is in it together globally. Yes, that's actually quite an important point. Unlike the financial crisis where there was differential you know, criticism for certain countries' responses. Nobody's going to be criticised for doing too much to try and address this. Uh, Ireland, North or South, is not going to come under any specific criticism for, um, uh, you know, having a worse outbreak than, than, than place X or place Y. This is a global problem, and if it stays with us for a long time, it'll be global solutions we'll be looking to. So we are in this together. And maybe that'll help us reconnect a bit as a global community. As, as prior to this, that was becoming a little bit fractious with everything from trade wars to Brexit. Hopefully this is a reminder that, you know, the real things that come to shake us are, are, are global and have no respect for borders. 100%. Neil, thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of TechCrack. For all things tech and business in Northern Ireland, visit SyncNI.com. Have a good week.